Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, this is Dawn. Welcome to the latest episode of From Dollar Square to Wear, the Arsenal Twitter podcast, which incidentally contains adult content which is definitely not suitable for young children. Please like and subscribe and leave a five-star review. It really helps. Also, please be sure to visit the YouTube channel and subscribe to that. We have a brand new show, You Can Be The Star, the most interactive Arsenal show, where the twist is the viewer who entertains us the most on the night can join us live on the panel to air their opinions. We have great guests weekly. We've had Kevin Campbell, who was absolutely brilliant. That's still available to watch. And we also have more excellent guests lined up, which is very, very exciting. Thanks for listening. Treacle? People keep asking if I'm back, and I haven't really had an answer. But now, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. Hello, good evening and welcome to From Dial Square to Where. Sorry we're running a bit late, I've had a few technical issues to sort out, um, but we all seem to be okay now, touch wood. Um, well, let's just get the introductions sorted. First off, IG, Indian Guna, how are you doing? Hi, I mean, it's, it's, it's really great, Andrew, I've never been into your shows. But this is the first time, and I hope oh, I hope this is not the last time that I come here. I've actually been been in the chats. I think the last one, but right, uh, it's yeah. really great to always, always, always uh, come on to an Arsenal podcast. Really great. Well, you know, uh, tell the people before I forget, because I always forget at the end of the show. Tell people how they can actually see your uh, content on YouTube, etc., because it's uh, absolutely fantastic. I must admit. Sure. Thank you. Uh, well. Uh, uh, to all the fans who are watching, well, you can uh, always uh, uh, type Indian Gunnar uh, uh, in YouTube. You can you can see, you know, I, I come up with the daily Arsenal news and my views on them uh, 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 kind of videos every single day. So you guys can uh, see my YouTube content. I have actually put that link up on my Twitter handle as well. So you can always uh, find me up at in YouTube as well. That's brilliant. Well, I highly recommend it. It's uh, excellent content, really good uh, analysis. So, yeah, go and search that out, everyone. Now, Stan, how are you doing? Welcome back. Thanks for having me back, Andrew. Nice to meet you as well, IG. Same here, Stan. It's, uh, yes, good to have you back, Stan. And, um, wow, there's uh, been an awful lot going on lately. And that's even without the football. So, Lots to discuss. We should hopefully have the Mancunian joining us anytime soon. Um, but uh, we'll get him on as soon as he's available. So let's crack on. 
Now, obviously, the premise of the show to talk about the most uh, interesting or whatever we come across on Twitter this week and expand on certain tweets that catch your eye. So, who wants to go first? Let's, let's go with you, Stan, first. What have you uh, seen on Twitter this week that you want to discuss first of? Well, where do you want to start? Well, honestly... You you say, what's the first tweet? Give give us your first tweet. Well, I've got got two here that play in together because I'm seeing a lot of this. The first one, uh, which is from Diesel Triple Eight, and he says, Emery has to go, but people, please remember that this is bigger than Emery. These players are not good enough. These players are not good enough. Stop giving them a pass. These are full internationals being playing ball from from young and you're telling me that they can't string two passes together. Weak mentality. And then the other one, uh, which is from In Freddy We Trust, and he says, Lacazette, Bellerin and Guendouzi are fucking shit. So I'm seeing a lot. Um, <laughs> are we monetized? Because if we are, that's just gone down a swanny. But what I'm seeing is um, there seems to be a lot of us, a big section of the fan base that are, are of the belief now that the actual squad of players that we've got aren't actually good enough to take us to where we need to be, i.e. fourth placing in the Champions League. Um, my my stance on that, I actually believe that we have got a, a good squad of players. If you look to where we ended up at the end of last season, with what we had, and you look at that overhaul that is that, that that we've had in the squad, I think we've definitely got enough there to get us into the top four. But I'm of the feeling that the person who's steering the ship, i.e. the head coach, he's just not sure how to use, use the tools that's been provided. That's my opinion. But there really does seem to be now um, a lot of blame going around on, on social media. And obviously, you know, the fans are really angry at the moment for a lot of reasons. But I just wondered what you two think. Do you think that, yeah, the, it's the players that the players that we have aren't good enough to get us to where we want to be or where we should be? Well, I've got some very strong feelings on this. But IG, you go first. What do you think? Well, I think uh, we've got uh, decent enough players. But it's going to be a task because I think the creativity will suffer. Aaron Ramsey has left. And we don't know if Ozil is going to get the amount of games, at least the same amount of games last season, what he got. I I, I highly, I, I, I little doubt that. But the problem is here, I think the link-up and the uh, uh, involvement of Nicola Pepe, I think the way that we thought that, uh, you know, he, he'll come up uh, 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 very handy in terms of uh, a winger that we actually wanted since Alexis Sanchez left, I think that void is still still there. So I don't think so, Nicola Pepe. Until unless he improves, the wing, the wing position is definitely not going to be the creative hub. And the problem is now, I think even if we try to include uh, uh, Aubameyang on the wings, the problem is the link up from the central part and towards the wing part is not happening at all. You know, even if you play Ozil, I think the link up with the mid, mid, and that central area, the attacking midfield area, is not happening at all. And even if we are actually trying to create certain amount of chances. I think there are certain players who are definitely, I think post-injury, Alexander Lacazette has just not looked the same Lacazette who actually tore apart Tottenham over there. I mean, I did I did not see uh, see that kind of Lacazette again. And same thing, I, I think Bellerin, I, I think his crosses are very below average. And holding, I think you can see 
holding mapping you know during a game because his his alertness is really down to zero so i think yes it is somewhere down to the players because individual errors is costing the game the problem is that that's happening every game week in week out if that is happening then i don't know i think mean, i don't know if you if you if you try to find some a single person to be blamed i don't think so you can find one person well i'm really really going to have to cut my answer short because i could go on for the whole hour i reckon with this one <laughs> in, in a nutshell the excuse of saying our squad isn't strong enough in my opinion is absolute rubbish absolute rubbish and the only thing i have to say to you is that we played Sheffield United not too long ago and Chris Wilder got a team of players from League 1 that he, most of that squad from League 1 came through the ranks with him and if you're saying that our squad isn't as good as a League 1 squad of those play, those players that have got promotion then you've got some serious uh, learning to do about football you know our squad is very strong the second point is if you cast back you mind back to last christmas and look at leicester city then under claude puel same bunch of players would you have said that none of our players could have got into that squad then yeah you know it's a different kettle of fish now isn't it you know a lot of our players would have got in you would have turned the question on its head and say well how many players have leicester have got would have got into our squad at that point you know it's <sighs> you know Brendan Rodgers has has done miracles um very very quickly after he joined that club in February and by the end of the season they were winning game after game including against us believe it or not 3-0 so squads and mentalities and the way of playing formations tactics they can be changed very quickly if you've got the right guy in charge And I think if we had a Brendan Rodgers, or even if we had a Chris Wilder in charge of the squad, then we'd see a very different uh, mentality, very different um, setup defensively, and we wouldn't look disjointed. I, I honestly don't think that uh, there's any argument to say that we, our, our squad of players isn't good enough. Yes, we still need a few more players to to actually start challenging for the title. But at the moment, we're more than good enough to get into the top four. And if anyone thinks we're not good enough to have beaten Watford, um, and well, yeah, I'm not going to list all the games, but you, you get what I mean. Then you know, I, I'm not having it. I'm sorry, because it's uh, just very quickly as well. One other thing on this: in first, under normal circumstances, I'll be the first person to to blame the players in this situation. You know, I, when you're looking at other clubs that are really struggling, that have got a good quality set of um, you know players in their squad, you would honestly look at them and say the players aren't performing for the manager. And I would be the first person to say that. In this case, because of the way that we've been all last season and all this season so far, and then if you look into how Emery's teams have performed in the past under him, and look at the common. thread that's running through all of them i genuinely I, they're not blameless but i genuinely don't think it's a sort of situation where you can blame the players in this case because this definite 
definite regression in a lot of the players that we've got in our team, in our squad, in the last 18 months. But not only the last 18 months, this season. I think in the summer, we saw the real Danny Ceballos when he played for Spain in the Euros under 21s. He was an absolute class. And when he first burst into onto the scene in our team, even though he was thrown in at the deep end in a new country at the age of 22, he looked uh, the business. And it's not a coincidence that he has regressed during the season and people are now doubting him as uh, whether he's even got the quality to play for Arsenal. When he's actually been asked, he's been shifted around. He, he's, I think I, I counted, he's, he's played about four different positions in the team, in a very disjointed team already in nine or ten games. So no one can say either that that is no, not a coincidence that his game is, is suffering. And the same can be said for a lot of our other players as well. I think um, Saka was extremely exciting when he first came to the team. He's hardly doing anything now because this, the confidence is dropping game after game or during the game as well, as 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 is shown because we can't hold on to a lead. So that is as, <laughs> as brief as I'm going to keep it for now because I could say I could have gone on for ages about that, but that's my opinion. That's really my opinion. I mean, it, it is extremely worrying that if we do have a, a manager stroke head coach who's in, unable to improve players, which it kind of appears to be, as you talk about regression, it's extremely worrying when we're right at a time now where it's vital, in my opinion, that we have a head coach who is able to improve players because you've got this young clutch of players all coming through at the same time, all about to make that big step up. And if he's not able to to improve those players in a way, for example, like a Pep is with someone like Foden over at Man City, with what you see Klopp doing uh, with players uh, improving them, then it is quite worrying for the future and for those young players. Yeah, I think so as well. I think um, Klopp has improved. I mean, look at, I've said this example before, but um, Wijnaldum, uh, who plays with Liverpool, obviously he he went down with Newcastle, didn't he? And uh, wasn't thought of very highly at that that particular point. And... uh, you know, look at him now. He's seen as one of the first names on the team sheet for the European champions. And uh, Jordan Henderson, a lot of the scousers would themselves would uh, admit that they've got massive doubts on him. Even even still, you know, even this season, a lot of the players, uh, sorry, the the fans are doubting him. But look at how he's been he's brought on. He's just a, a fantastic player for him. Not none of them are world class. They're midfielders. In particular, Fernand, uh, not Fernandinho, Fabinho is probably the closest. But the best are just, are just in, incredibly well coached, aren't they? And to, so they work as a, a, a machine. And they've almost like they sold like their best player in Coutinho and then improved. <laughs> yeah. And like what yeah. you said about Leicester as well with Brendan Rodgers. You know, he's gone in there after Poyle with the same group of players mm. and then they've lost their best defender as well. Yeah. Harry Maguire. Yeah. And he's still yeah. able somehow to squeeze more than what they've got in them out of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And every yeah. doesn't seem to be able to do that. No, no. And IG, is there anything else you want to say on this subject before we move on to your tweet? Uh, I think... Um... Probably, probably, I think uh, 
I mean, kudos to Brendan Rodgers. He's done a very great job. Great job. I think uh, those guys are superb in their tiki taka. The best part is uh, when uh, Demari Gray comes in. I mean, he's an unbelievable force because Ayose Perez lacks a lot, a lot of finishing. I think we could have lost four nil a final had he taken his chance as well. But uh, since Demari Gray came in, they are so good. Demari Gray, Wadi, uh, Ricardo, and Madison. These four guys link up so well, and that's what I'm talking about. I think I'm talking about in terms of Arsenal going uh, and attacking. I think these uh, you you need front three to actually link up well with a midfielder, and then a fullback comes in to ex- uh, give that extra support. Uh, you know uh, when the transition of play uh, happens. So I think. I think the 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 uh, saddest part is that uh, since the last uh, international break we were third, and when this uh, when the international break got over we got four games and now we are sixth. So I think uh, these four games changed the whole whole scenario and changed the whole impression of Emery uh, with the fan base and probably the Shaka incident. There there are lots of things happening now. Right now we are also speaking about uh, Aubameyang, AFTV, the rift that is being created. And everyone, everyone. Then uh, the whole media is actually lifting the lid on the thing about uh, the curse of being an Arsenal captain. I think there are a lot, a lot of negativity that is actually surrounding the club in 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 in, in every aspect actually. Mm. And uh, and probably it is something this international break we wanted a break from football. I think this is the first time that I actually felt that actually we need Arsenal to stop playing and focus. And we need to stop, stop seeing these kind of results. Also, mm. so this was, this was the first time I was playing for an inter- international break. So I think probably, probably the squad gets regrouped because I think the management is definitely behind the manager, uh, the, the head coach, and uh, probably I think I would want to see a, a good, a good streak, a winning streak. You know, we had a good twenty match. You know that that streak last season. You know something similar to that because I think. If you go forward, I think uh, Chelsea are having a very good form, but they are going to face City next. But problem is that Bernardo Silva is not playing that game, so I think Chelsea have a good chance. And uh, probably City are having their own problems. The centre backs are injured. Fernandinho is actually playing as a centre back, so it's not a good time for them as well. So it is. I think Liverpool are making the most of this season, but I hope. I hope the season is long. I just I would want to say. I think uh, though I love Brendan Rodgers, though I love the way they are attacking and playing. I love how Johnny Evans and Soyuncu are actually stepping up and making sure Brendan Rodgers keeps his job at Leicester. So I think I think uh, too soon to speak about it, but really love what has happened till now. It's very exciting uh, to see them play because be- because they just seem like they love playing football and they love playing football together, and they just let the hand break off, don't they, and let them go and express themselves. And if only we could play like that, it would just be. What everyone wants to see, and this, the annoying thing is, you get a Pepe situation. You mentioned Pepe; he, he just gets his, his first signs of really showing some form, and then he gets taken out of the team. It, it just doesn't make sense, does it? And playing Tierney in, in, against Victoria, and then not playing him in the in the Premier League when it's really important. It, I just don't. Oh, I just don't. But the thing is, I think we're going to have to move on from going on about Emery needing to go because we all know that now. And we just need to wonder why the decision hasn't yet been made. Because I've worked it out today that in order to get 71 points, which is the general 
amount you need to get to top four. We need to win 18 out of our last 24 games. Uh, otherwise, we don't make it. And this, the way things are going, I can't see where we're going to get our next win anyway. So to win 18 out of our next 24 is impossible. In, in my book, I don't know what your your thoughts are, but I think I, we I think there are 26 games left. Uh, there's 24. We played 12. So we played 38 overall, right? 30. Sorry, yeah, 30. Uh, 20. Yeah, we played 12. Sorry, yes, you're right. 30, um, 26. I beg your pardon, not 24. So it's. In fact, I think I did work it out. 24. So you might be, you might have to give an extra couple of games there, IG. But even so, I mean, God, even if we've got an extra couple of chances, the chances of getting it is still very, very slim at the moment. With the, the confidence, the way we're playing, the lack of cohesion, I just can't see it. I, I, and it's before Christmas, it probably will be mathematically impossible for us to qualify for the top four. And that's a very sad state of affairs, to be perfectly honest. IG, what's your first subject matter that we you, you brought with you tonight? Uh, it's a little funny. I, I hope I hope you allow banter in your. Uh, oh yes, absolutely. Form. We very much. So the first one, so the, the first one, the first one is from Elliot at the rate Laka Sweat. Well, yep. um, the person has said, "My guy Ian Wright really went into the jungle to escape watching this Arsenal team." <laughs> <laughs> I certainly don't blame him. That's a very good point. I haven't seen that one. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of us would uh, prefer to go over there. I think a lot of us... Uh, yeah, very much good. Uh, well, it's got to be... The, um, everyone's got a vote for him, haven't they? I don't watch, I don't watch it anymore. I haven't watched... Uh, well, I haven't watched Telly Pool Stop for a long time, but um, I used to like that programme and I think we've all got to get behind right, 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 haven't we? The next one is from uh, Guna Glenn. Well, this international break has come at a good time now. It's time to reboot and go again. And if Arsenal want to stick with Emery, so be it. At the end of the day, I want him to succeed because I support Arsenal FC win, lose or draw. Hmm. We've, we all, I think we all echo that sentiment. And anyone that wanted Arsenal to lose against Leicester is just, just ridiculous. Anyone that changed their... In, um, you know their picture, the profile picture to like Jamie Vardy is going around. You just need your head testing, and I'll be more than happy for us to win every game, and it'll mean that we're winning. <laughs> you know, I don't want I don't want uh, Emery to lose games. I take no pleasure from moaning about Emery uh, and his strange decisions and everything. I saw a very interesting poll. Uh, linked to this, funny enough, this morning on Twitter, and I can't, what was the wording? It was um, the choice was: Would you rather we lose the next ten games and we get rid of Emery, but we don't make it into the Champions League, or would you rather we win and Emery's with us for the next three years? And the majority of people had voted that they'd rather us lose the next ten games just to get rid of Emery. And I, I, just, on, I, I just, I mean, each to their own. Everyone's got their own opinion, but that's just not for me. You can't take that either on face value because there's a lot of fans of a lot of different clubs on Twitter and they do skew things like that. I mean, I cannot believe that a vast majority of Arsenal fans would want us to lose 10 games on the trot. I just can't 
take it. I can't see it. Can you yeah, really? Yeah. You... That's what I saw. I mean, that was only today. I've seen a lot of people um, advocating, like you say, especially just before the Leicester game, a lot of people were really, I really hope we get smacked 6-0. I really hope it's just so. And I'm, and I'm like, well, what if we won 6-0 and then the game after that, we won 3-0 and then the game after that, we won 2-1 and we did put a run together and he did turn it around. I would prefer that to happen. Of course, everyone would. I would not, uh, I would not be unhappy if we started winning football matches. Yeah. Uh, I just don't understand that mentality of people that uh, want us to lose. It just doesn't make sense. Not for me. I don't also, get it. Also, if, if I could raise an issue, if of I course. can. Of course, mate. Uh, uh, well, um, there are certain fans who have actually posted uh, and they're actually mocking the way uh, Unai Emery says good evening. Oh, yeah. You know, the good evening kind of a thing. I, actually, I've uh, actually I read a tweet that. from Seville, uh, uh, the official tweet from Sevilla. FC Seville actually posted that as well. They were yeah. kind of mocking Emery, and I think, yeah. I think uh, it's really it's really uh, sad to see Arsenal fans. Since Stan also can agree with me because he's he's been supporting uh, Arsenal for a very long time now. I think we are a club of class, and we are we are fans. We take pride in that. You know, uh, whatever happens, we respect. We don't drop that respect out of any any player for any player. I mean, uh, any innocence. I think uh, you can even talk about Mustafi playing not well last season. But still, I don't go online and abuse him. I don't do that. And whoever does that, I condemn it. But mocking the manager for the way he speaks English, at least he's trying. He's come to a different land. He's trying. The same thing happened, I think he said. Uh, the same thing happened when he went to PSG as well. You know, he, yeah. his uh, French was mocked. I mean, the guy is learning. He's trying hard. I mean... I think it's not it's not cool to actually mock the way he says good evening. I'm really sorry. At least he's being polite in every every press conference when he comes in. He's, he starts with good evening. He's polite. Mm. I, I I don't I don't see the logic behind that. I hear what you, I, I do hear what you're saying, but I mean you know sometimes there is you know you can do something which is called like you know you gently rib someone maybe the way they pronounce a certain word or something like that. I don't think in certain... I mean, the amount of times I've sat here on the sofa with the missus and I'm flicking around and there's like a post-match conference and I call her in and go, he's on! And I do the good evening. I do it, you know? I've seen, you know, I've seen people on Twitter, they've changed their they've changed their Twitter name to good evening and then something yeah. afterwards. I don't think... I, you know, yeah. it's, no, it's no different to someone like Frankie Ball standing on stage doing a comedy set and he digs someone out. He might, you, might, you, might dig, you might dig out Boris Johnson for the way he talks or Trump. I think that um, you know there is still humour should still be allowed. Yeah, I think some some things that you can take things much too far, as we all know. And I, I don't oh, yeah. agree with any of that. I mean, all the going after people's family and um, you know, of course, that's, that's, it's just that's, not, that's not on. No, no, there's no excuse for that under any circumstances. But yeah, when you um, with something like the good evening. I do understand in certain ways if you just keep it as a little bit of banter. And I think in some circumstances, you know, he might continue doing it as a little bit of a a catchphrase now in lots of cases as well, because it's 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 becomes part of him. But yeah, as long as you don't take things too far, then I think the picture of him in it on. I mean there's a marketing idea right there. Yeah. T shirt. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But now, in regards to Mustafi, I was a big, you know, backer of him this season as well uh, because of the way that he's come back from all this terrible 
abuse, of vile abuse. If you think that Xhaka got some vile abuse, which he undoubtedly did, terrible abuse, you should have seen all the stuff that Mustafi had last year as well. Just as bad, if not worse, than what Xhaka has been getting. Is this uh, on Instagram? Because I don't use Instagram. Both. Yeah, I mean, both Instagram and uh, Twitter. It's just not on. And the way that he's come back this season and played well in the cup games says an awful lot about a person's character, doesn't it? When he's, uh, he's, he's done well in the cup games. And, you know, it takes a lot of mental strength to come back from something like that and to try your best to get back into the, and play yourself back into the team. I'm not, I'm not standing here saying I want him back in the first team. You know, you can't just forget all the mistakes he made last year. And, and can we really have that any more sort of risk of that at the moment with the way we're playing? However, it doesn't mean that you can't say, well done, mate, because you've, you've, you're doing really well and you've, you've shown a lot of strength to come back. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's not good. Um, it leads me on to one thing I wanted to um, discuss as well, which is the criticism or, or supposed criticism of the fans by the club and the noise, supposed noise that we create. And I just think they've got, the, they've got all this, this all wrong. And it's, it's just such a bad PR blunder. It doesn't make, it doesn't help the situation. And we're not, we're nowhere near as bad as a lot of fans around, not even around the world, especially. But just in this country, we're not the worst by any stretch of the imagination. And I think the reputation precedes us by uh, the way that some people perceive Arsenal fan TV. And it's as simple as that. Because there's an awful lot of horrible stuff. You should, again, Liverpool. When they had Roy Hodgson in charge and they hounded him out within months, you know, he don't, he got dog's abuse. Absolutely, he got no time whatsoever to adopt his style or change the way um, that Liverpool play. I mean, it's clearly worked out for the best for them. But I used to do I used to do impressions of Roy Hodgson as well. Oh boy, <laughs> he can't play his R's or his W's, but that's another story. Yeah, exactly. But that, I mean, that's just one example. I mean, look at the state of not Napoli at the moment. One of the players' uh, houses got broken into. I mean, I don't think you look into all the details of what's going on there. It's, it's a horrendous situation. One of the players' houses got broken into during a match whilst his pregnant wife was in the house. Wow. And they, apparently it's one of the... Uh, or what they're called, uh, the, the fans, the extreme fans... And uh, he told the wife that it was a warning, you know, about what could what could come. You know, it's just, it, there's so much stuff. You're throwing the bricks at the cars and all that sort of stuff. We're nothing like that. And I think our, our reputation, like I said, is just uh, vastly over-egged because of this... Uh, this situation with the ranting on, on online and everything. I mean, what's your thoughts on it? Do you think that we've been tarred badly by this brush? IG, do you want to go? Uh, no, Stan, you can go first. Well, I think a lot of this kind of uh, really got blown up with the Jacker situation, with the booing. And at the end of the day, you know, sports is a form of entertainment. And whether you're watching Formula One, snooker, basketball or whatever, 
if you're being entertained, there's going to be cheering and there's going to be booing. It happens. I mean, I think booing is the lowest, uh, at least offensive way of showing one's displeasure at a sporting event. And then you have the girl that's on Twitter, you know, the, the picture of the girl on Twitter shouting at a Bamiyang. I mean, that's taking it too far. But when those things get blown up, we all get tired of that same brush. You know, I think that people that do things like that in the street to a Bamiyang, and I think that people that go onto social media and talk about breaking people's legs and people's families and that, I think that's a, a very small minority of the fan base. Of course it really is. is. A very small, I think it's probably less than 1% of the fan base of Arsenal worldwide. And I kind of felt like the club was kind of tar all of us with that same brush. And, you know, they're talking about that they've got a project, it's, it's going to go well, but it's only going to go, it's going to, I can't remember, I'm paraphrasing, it's only going to go well, but without all this outside noise. I mean, I mean, what do they want us to do? You know, all turn up at the stadium with like fluffy Arsenal jumpers and scarves and rattles and politely golf clap. I mean, yeah. it's a form of entertainment. And uh, people that go online and say, if you support the club in this way, or if you support the club in that way, then you're not a real fan. Everybody's different. If you actually go to the event live, you have a section of people that want to go there and sing their hearts out. There are other people in the stadium that they want to go and watch the football, but they don't want to sing. They don't want to shout at a linesman if there's a bad decision. It's just different personalities. And I think you're more than entitled to go there and support in your own way, as long as, as, long as you're not crossing the line, you know? And for the club to kind of tire us, I kind of felt that they, it kind of, it was so, um, it was so showing the way that the club was so out of touch with the fans. It almost made it feel like it was something out of the medieval days. Like they're sat up in the club, up in up in the castle, eating the eating the pig's head with the apple in its mouth, you know. Or we're the peasants down in the village, rolling around in the mud with the pigs, you know, scrapping for breadcrumbs. Kind of really, it kind of really kind of had that kind of undertone to it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was, uh, it was pretty out of order. What's your thoughts, RG? Uh, when you talk about Naples, Naples is a city which breeds football. They, they, they are very passionate fans, I must say that. But that doesn't allow them to do whatever, you know, to threaten somebody. No, that, no, that, that's cool. not cool. That's no. definitely not cool. And I think it was, uh, there are two players who are actually, uh, you know, uh, they, uh, they broke into. Two players' houses, and uh, also, also, I think the only situation as an Arsenal fan that I feel that uh, that could help us in this situation is bring in Koulibaly. Probably uh, there, there is there is a there is a mass exodus that Napoli managers and the management are actually really uh, feeling sad about is because Dries Mertens is uh, uh, you know uh, not happy there, and there are lots of players. I think six seven players who are definitely willing to leave Napoli. And uh, it's actually, it's all about safety and probably, I think, uh, talking about the Shaka situation and probably Iwobi got the abuse last season. Even Ainsley Maitland-Niles, after that red card, he got that abuse last this season itself. So, I think people, uh, uh, talking about our fan base, I think, uh, even we, we talk about everyone has, has, has to have their own opinion. I completely agree. But there has to be a limit to, that, to those opinions. You know, those limitations come to everyone. It comes to Andrew, it comes to every Arsenal fan. Because we know that we can, we have to say everything in uh, in, in terms of, you know, uh, uh, 
you need to put your things out there you have the freedom to do that but you cannot go there out and threaten somebody i mean the players have their family they try their best at the end of the day you have to agree to the fact that the players are not good enough for arsenal that's that that's the ultimate thing if you believe in that okay but it's just we have to criticize only the game part of it not the human part of it and probably that's that's the thing that those small amount of fans who actually call them arsenal fans i ca- i call them cowards and i don't think so they they should be mentioned in the same line as me as an arsenal fan because i'm sorry i feel offended with that yeah exactly i think uh, i think it's a, a bad pr move by the club um that statement that they put out and when it comes to um the albamyang situation there are two sides to it they've got absolutely no right to tell him who he can and can't be friends with obviously um they can't stop him from going in inviting him into the box his his own box because that's a family and friends um but albamyang should not be liking the posts that he's that have been put on um the social media when it comes to criticizing emery criticism you know wanting granite jacket to be sold in january abamyang made a, a big lapse of judgment by liking those posts and lacazette as well if he did it as well but <sighs> does he need to be i mean this is just ridiculous and i i also think this has been linked at this time by the club on a specific in a specific way as well because it takes away more of the bad things that go. I, I i think it might be smoke screen. i think it was i was listening to a podcast earlier and um i do apologize to whichever one it was i can't remember which one it was but it was alluded to that it could potentially be leaked in order to c- cause uprest against albamyang in a prelude to selling him in uh in january or the or the summer so you mean like if should we then sell him it's like look fans we're getting rid of him because he's a bit of a troublemaker yes you know, I think yeah. it, it crossed my mind yeah it did my mind it makes a lot of sense because Arsenal are usually so tight-lipped you know nothing comes out of Arsenal unless they want it to come out and yeah forget the actual story for a second of who's allowed in his box and who isn't the fact that this story has come out through David Ornstein I thought was quite telling I think it's been linked to him on purpose and um it's to take all the uh, take the sort of whole heat away from the uh, what's going on about Emery and, the, and and so on the general form I won't be surprised if if more stories come out that make us feel sympathy more sympathy with Unai Emery I I really wouldn't because it's a it's a bit of a PR it could be a bit of a PR exercise in order to try and rebuild um the faith that people have got in in Unai Emery and try and make put it put a bit more of the attention on some of the players it's the way things work nowadays with a bit with with spin you know clubs and, and people hire this type of companies in order to do this on purpose don't they waste um, they can spend as much money as they want bringing in people to try and do spin but at the end of the day i mean we're fans and we've all got eyes and the only thing that's really going to change people's minds about emery are results plain and simple 100% you know yeah Even all this sort of stuff for me it's just my it's just more eastenders all this stuff it's yeah. not doing i think it's hurting 
do, they should have dealt with this in, in-house. If they really had a problem with um, uh, Aubameyang inviting, uh, you know, that gentleman from the, uh, the fan channel, then they should have spoken to him about that and said, look, this is our reasons why, blah, blah, blah. You know, it shouldn't, we shouldn't be know about this. We really shouldn't. No, of course not. It's none of our business. And as I said, the, the biggest mistake he's made is liking those two posts. He shouldn't have done that and he should have been more professional about it. I'd, um, I'd, say, I'd say as well to that though, Andrew, imagine if we had someone who was uh, maybe of the ilk of a George Graham, say, managing the team. Do you think players would be, do, would, would be that bold to do something like that? Because the manager's weak, I think. There's no control at the club. And, you know, they don't, they're not, they're not, they're riding roughshod now. They're, they're liking tweets, dissing the manager and dissing other players in the squad. It's it's not good. No, no, I don't. No? I, I think that players are too they're too important to the club for them to actually actually have real discipline. You know, George Graham back in the day would have just thrown someone in the reserves to rot at least for a few games, if not, just leave them there. Uh, but you can't do that anymore because every player is an asset to the club, and if an owner is involved in the club then they're not going to let the manager do that because it's the, it, they're going to cost the club millions of pounds by keeping him away from the limelight and his, his value is going to go down. But could you see a Manchester City player doing something like that? Something so unprofessional and stupid and naive as that? I don't no, know. That's an unusual situation. He, he, he did actually, he did something to Mendy and he's actually off the next game and he has to pay £50,000. I'm talking okay. about Bernardo Silva. Yes, oh, because that, of the, yeah. uh, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It did. But actually, that's a very good point because it's a very similar situation in in lots of ways. Um, there's going to be obviously be some um, examples where it doesn't work because of the way the clubs run and the way that the owners have got so much faith, like like with Pep Guardiola, but. I, th- I, I actually, I haven't actually had a chance to watch it yet, IG. But you put a video on your channel about Pep Guardiola. Um, was it a day or two ago? I, I believe. Am I right in saying that? Uh, I, I think yes, yes, yes. The, I, I, I was listening to the um, BBC Football Daily podcast, and um, what's that noise? I don't know what that me or not? Um, they were talking about Pep Guardiola's future and they could say that said that it's quite conceivable that he could potentially leave at the end of the year. And I, I, I think that as well. I think I've mentioned it before that it could be his last year because he, he does that, doesn't he? Um, he got no issue with walking out on them. And it just made me think that because Arsenal is still a very, very strong classy brand across the world and I don't think any manager would just dismiss working for Arsenal without putting an awful lot of thought into it and I just thought especially when I was talking about Brendan Rodgers as well that he why would he leave Leicester and that's a very good valid point at the moment uh, because of the project he's got there the, the exciting squad but Brendan Rodgers has got um, the right sort of personality that would probably be the person who would want to be uh, the, the, the long-term successor to someone like Arsene Wenger to take on that mantle and to prove that he can do that job and be the one. 
And I, I, I think that Guardiola could potentially... I'm not saying, saying it's going to happen in a million years, but I could see Guardiola being the person to... would be attracted by the club, for a start, and then tr- think that he could be the one to succeed Arsene Wenger as well. Now, the only issue we've got is the lack of funds. I don't think we could... Um, you know, supply with the sort of money that he would need. Anyway, but I think the challenge would really appeal to someone like Pep Guardiola. The only issue would be that he, he's obviously got a history of having a bit of a sabbatical in between leaving one club and going to the next. But what are, your thoughts, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that's a completely crazy suggestion? Obviously not. Obviously not, Andrew. I think that's a very good suggestion because I think uh, the way City are going and probably I think uh, right now I think Pep Guardiola is again linked with a return to Bundesliga with Bayern mentioned because uh, Bayern actually currently don't have a manager and uh, City uh, don't don't look quite good because probably they did not invest well uh, for the good for a good centre back. I think it's a very good very good option if we get Pep Guardiola, but it may happen or not happen. It's a very good suggestion because I think Pep Guardiola has been revolutionary. Uh, you know, you know, when he stepped out from Barcelona, I think that's the time when I actually wanted to see him as a manager grow. And when I saw him in Bayern and, and in City, that guy builds team. I think he builds legacy. Okay, I think in the modern football, if I think about uh, you know top three managers, you've got to give respect to Klopp, you've got to give respect to Pep, and you definitely got to give respect to Pochettino. I think the way that they, they that they play, that they the way that they use their brains, I think it's really great. And they impose their mentality into the team, and they buy those players who they can. But the problem with Pep with and Arsenal is that I think for every position he's going to make you invest sixty million on a, on a player, and that's the way it happens. It happens with Mourinho as well. These kind of managers they build team with money. So if Kroenke is about to give him give him a one billion credit line, I don't see that happening. But it's a wonderful suggestion, Andrew. Yeah, well, I, I, don't, I just thought that it's 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 the overall opportunity that will appeal to people because I think we are still a strong club across the world, and we all know that following Benga, although this is a, a, a something I want to talk about, probably not today, but I don't think that following someone that's been with the club for twenty two years makes a massive difference. To be perfectly honest, because the manager that comes in or the head coach that comes in, I should say knows nothing different. The players are always constantly changing. So I don't see what difference it makes in, all, in lots of cases by succeeding someone that's been there for so long. Anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of expand on that another day, but I think it still would be a, especially with someone with an ego the size of Brendan Rogers. I think he would relish the challenge of being the person to take over from Fingers. uh, you know, long-term reign. And I think it could be the same, could be said for Pep Guardiola, but the money that he would have to spend, it won't be there. So he would want to actually have the challenge of working with the team that we currently have, the youth that we currently have, and trying to maximise them. But I think that if there's anyone that could do that, then he could, you know, without a question, obviously. If you looked at your scenario, then let's say at the end, come the end of the season, Pep Guardiola decided that he was going to walk away from Manchester City, then I would probably think at that time would be the moment when, um, rather than Mikel Arteta going with him as an assistant to his next appointment, that he'd probably put himself on the market to go out there and actually be 
a manager. And yeah. there's probably be more chance because of the way that we're set up with the hierarchy that we have, that someone like Arteta in his first role would work under those constraints. Because I'm yeah. not sure about someone like Pep or your Mourinho's, how they would work alongside well, Rouse in the area and an Edu picking players for them. Do you know what I mean? No, I mean, that, that uh, people that are mentioning Mourinho have got absolutely no chance because no. he would want to rule the club from top to bottom. I mean, I, I wouldn't want him anywhere near the, the club. I don't care right. what he's done in his past. I hate the man. So he would want to be in charge of the... He'd want the same role as what Arsene Wenger had, you know, and be have the final say on everything. Yeah. And there's no chance he would come to the club under those circumstances of just being a coach anyway. So he's out of the question. And if it comes with... I don't understand the clamour for Arteta in so many ways. Yes, he's learned from... Pep over the last uh, few years, and that's there's a lot to be said for that. But I don't. I would still rather have Freddie Jungberg, who's a true legend of the club, who's got yeah. so so much respect from all of the players, and I, I would say that he would be a better option with with us fans in the respect that he would he would just command so much love and togetherness and. The players, like I said, I think they've just all run through a brick wall for Freddie because of the respect he's got and the love that he's got from all the players. Yeah. And he's not, it's not as if he's not um, coached a team before. He's obviously done very well last season with the under 23s. He's had the spell at Wolfsburg as an assistant as well. Right. It wasn't a brilliant uh, stint over at Wolfsburg, but it's experience. And he, he might have learned what not to do <laughs> whilst he was over there. But I think it goes an awful long way. And he would definitely have a similar um, impact, I think, to what Solskjaer had in the in the first few games he had with Man United. And uh, it was just almost like someone switching a switch with those players at United with the massive weight lifted off their shoulders. And they just went and played with fun and freedom. And, and we all know what happened for the you know first uh, 15 or so games. And I think that Freddie would instantly have that kind of reaction from, from our squad. It would just put players in the positions that they're supposed to be in, get them to express themselves, play with a bit of freedom, and I think we'd just take off. And I'm not saying I, want, I would like Freddie on a long-term contract immediately. And my first option, preferably, would be to have someone like a Rafa Benitez to train him for, for 18 months and to be someone for Freddie to lean on. But... I don't think that's going to happen because wages, etc., and having to pay off the uh, Emery. But uh, so Freddie Umberg is also immediately available and is free. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you: with the way that we have this hierarchy now, you know, like the way that we've got Raul Vinay, uh, Edu, we don't have a manager anymore. He's a head coach. Do you mm. think having that kind of setup um, will maybe hinder the quality of manager that may come in after Emery? Well, it's the modern way, isn't it? What's your thoughts on that, IG? I think it's uh, most of just going down that route. I think the way Arsenal was managed since 2010, I think it has been the most pathetic seven to eight years that we were managed. And probably this management, I think I, I trust in this management. You know, the way that they've cleared players, the way that they've made sure that we've made some good amount of money by selling these players and, you know, getting us good talent as well. So I think they, 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 they do the money work really well. 
but it's up to the head coach to make sure whoever the player comes in you know gets gets into gets integrated well into the attack and defense and definitely into the family of arsenal what we are but i think the 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 best part i think what this management has brought in is i think no bs mentality i think if the manager doesn't feel if they don't deem fit a player he's he's out is out yeah. that's it that's that, that that that's what they bring in and I, actually that's really great but i i think uh, these people also have uh, a good amount of patience you know i think we were expecting mesut ozil to leave the club or probably mustafi to leave the club but these guys you know they they have some faith they have their own understanding about it so i think edu has done really great with corinthians and he he did superb with brazil as well to bring in uh, you know some good amount of talent among the brazilian system as well internationally so i think edu in his job is really good but i don't know about vinay but uh, raul has done superb splendid job at barcelona as well so i think these guys are very good men and they will at least manage arsenal well at least uh, we can make sure at least in the next 3 4 seasons we will have enough amount of money to buy a world class player i think yes we at least they will make sure at least that happens so i think in their aspect they are good but if they having a good amount of say of uh, who will come to the club or not and if they are adamant enough i think uh, the control part should be should be also i think the fans opinions also should matter and definitely the head coaches as well so i think uh, they, they they did a pretty good job i think it's up to the players and the manager to get the result yeah i, I don't i don't do have any complaints with them. They, 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 the the system is really good do you think that it's going to be a hindrance though to for what uh, stan was saying do you think it'll be a hindrance to attract certain head coaches to the club knowing that they will have no stay over who comes in and who goes out that 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 depends who actually comes in if you have ancelotti kind of a manager i think he gives everybody everybody a chance and probably i think that that depends because if you talk about pep or mourinho coming in you know you, you expect them to hand over the whole control about you know who comes into the club new players bought you know i think it completely depends upon the who, who the manager is coming in but i think uh, it should be a whole uh, uh, a, a teamwork but uh, if you are expecting a pep kind of a figure coming in i don't think so it will work the management and everything will not work i think it's 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 all what uh, pep wants and it's it's all what the head coach wants that's that's what happens then i heard from um, uh, someone the brendan rogers um I think it was Tim. No, it might have been Tim Stillman that said it. it after he um, left Liverpool, he when he was at Liverpool, he was, he was still very young, obviously, and he wanted. He thought he had to control everything, the whole club, as a manager. And he said that oh, since leaving Liverpool and uh, where he is now, he he realised that what his limitations were. and that he couldn't re- burn both ends of the candle at the same time and he's now glad to have passed on that recruitment matters etc to other people within the club so he can spend his time concentrating working with the squad and that and coaching the players so i think that that's that's the general way that a lot of the football clubs uh, across europe um, the elite clubs are moving anyway and it it makes an awful lot of sense i for one am delighted that arsenal have moved in that direction uh, i wish we could hear more from edu you know you don't hear his voice but i was very encouraged to hear that he stayed behind after the sheffield united game to yeah. speak to the fans that was uh, really good 
I just wish that we could hear from him a bit more often, maybe just via the the Arsenal website, uh, even just a, a you know a, a fairly regular sort of update because he was obviously uh, overseeing everything football within Arsenal. So it'd be nice to hear from him, um, especially in, in these difficult times, just to see you know a, a bit of background information about. I'm not. I'm not. Wouldn't expect him to go into too much detail, but um, it'd just be nice to hear from him every now and then about how things are going. But um, yeah, I'm, I, overall, I think the fact that you've got all these different tasks taken away from the new guy coming in, and all they've got to do is work with the players that they're given, that in itself means that the club is not disrupted by hiring and firing of managers anymore. You know, you're not going to be left with a whole group of, of players that the previous manager wanted, but the new guy coming in doesn't want, doesn't fancy. You're not going to have that issue. So the squad and everything is going to be left stable in a stable situation. And that's the way it should be, really. So by changing the coach, you're not disrupting the club at all, in effect. And that's the way that things are done at Watford and, and so on. When people go on about how many managers Watford have had. It's it's just a coach. They've swapped their coach. And that's the reason why they get away with it. And, um, of course, they would want to keep someone for a, a few years if it's going well. But if it doesn't work out, you haven't lost much in lots of cases. And it's it's quite a mercenary way of looking at it. But it, it, it protects the club in the long run from making too bad, you know, bad mistakes. So that's good. Anyway, Stan, have you got uh, another topic you want to discuss? Or... Um... I did have another one actually. Just gotta find it. IG, have you got one boss whilst he's uh, stands looking? Do you want something we'll talk about? Uh I think I do have one. Okay. I don't know whether you've you got your um, speaker close to something, IG, but it's a lot of feedback on your, from your side. Well, that, yes, I'm sorry for that. That's all right, no problem. I found it. Great. Okay, go on, then, Stan. This one was tweeted out by We Care Do You, and the tweet said, Seems that hashtag we care do you is trending again. We haven't gone away. We're watching with interest. And I retweeted that. I retweeted that tweet. And in the in the header of the tweet, I just put, and I am watching we care do you with interest. Yeah. Well, I've, you might have seen that I, I copied them in over the last few days. I did. With uh, a lot of tweets because... I just knew that this would happen anyway and I'm halfway through recording my latest podcast and um, it's all about that really because as I, I won't regurgitate it all again but before the We Care To You movement kicked off as you may be aware I, I, I did a mini one myself where I obviously got very little traction because I haven't got the following of all these guys but I, I did I did my own petition and my, my own concerns about 
the way things were going. And uh, it was literally about two or three weeks before We Care Do You kicked off. And um, so that kicked off and we got a good result very quickly with dialogue from Josh Crump. And that was great. But throughout that point, I said, this is going to be useless if we're just going to have this We Care Do You movement send a very strong worded letter to the Crumpies. <laughs> and that's it. You know, I said, what's the point in that? You know, you need to, if you're going to set this up, it's going to have to have regular dialogue with the club on an ongoing basis. Not just this one-off, not just whenever we hit rock bottom. We need to have this club have a recognised um, figurehead, if you like, maybe, or a few figureheads, so that they can be involved with, you know, the, the club meetings uh, that they can be involved in. They should be regularly um, in, in contact with the club. So when this is all um, got to the stage that we're at now with the club, with all these problems, left, right and centre, and you having to sort of give We Care Do You a nudge. Like You remember on Facebook, you used to be able to poke people. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like everyone, all, all of us Arsenal fans trying to poke We Care Do You and so trying to wake them from a slumber. Just see if they're going to get involved, yeah, you know. The wakes. <laughs> yeah, and I don't, I don't like that, you know. So I have been t- tweeting them a bit the last few days just to see. Well, it said we've got our eyes on things. Well, that, that's not good, is it? You know, what's the point in just looking at it? You know, you need to get involved now because the club is spiraling out of control, and. We we can all know we can all see that Unai Emery is really struggling with this job. It's just it's just got too big for him, and he can't handle it. And I'm not blaming him anymore. Like I said earlier, I'm really not. Because the board have really taken the spotlight off of him, and in, in, in giving him that backing, they've taken the spotlight right off of Emery, and the spotlight for me is now on them. <sighs> well, in a little way as well, Mesut Özil being brought back into the team was a complete taking the spotlight off the Granite Xhaka situation and Unai Emery again as well. Same with this Alba leaking of this, you know, this, this details with that. Yeah. Uh, the week after, um, Granite Xhaka walked off the pitch to, and we all know what happened there. It was uh, around that time as well that um, Emery said that it was a club strategy to be leaving Mesut Ozil out the team. That's right. Literally one week after that, Mr. Ozil was back in the team starting again. You know, just after Xhaka walked off the pitch. I'm not stupid. You know, that was done to appease the fans so that it's just to take the heat off everything. And that's fine. But just be up front. You know, don't try and treat us for mugs. You know, that we don't, we can't see through that. And he hasn't missed a game since. What kind of influence is we care do you? What kind of influence are they really going to have if the club thinks of them as being just noise? No, we, we, they've got to actually start making... If, it, if, we, get, if we get popped off all the time, because I've, I've been led to believe as well from all I've read, and I read a lot about the club and I like to know what's going on, we're going to be in absolute serious financial shit, my, pardon my French, if we don't qualify for the Champions League because of sponsorship deals going down, the value of sponsorship deals are going to get cut if we're out of the Champions League 
again. Yeah. Um, the, obviously, the revenue, the lost revenue. The, a lot of this expenditure, we recouped quite a bit in the summer. I'm not, I know that. But a lot of the expenditure that we forecasted that we're going to get covered is on the proviso that we've got Champions League money. We, I also called for Swiss Ramble to just show us what it, it's going to affect, the effect that it's going to have on the club if we don't qualify. Because I think it's going to be a lot worse than people realise. It's not just going to be that we can't bring in the players that we want in the summer. We have to scale back that. I think it's going to be a lot worse. Because you won't be able to pay players increased contracts to keep them. We're going to lose a lot of players as well, which is going to be massively detrimental to the future of the club. I mean, under Emery's reign, I counted this morning, there's been, like, I think it's five players now unrest. We've had the Koscielny situation. There's been the Ozil situation. Uh, Torreira all week has been saying it has been news about Torreira having unrest and wanting to speak to the manager. Um, the Xhaka situation and now Aubameyang. Yeah, five players that seem to have this this season so far some form of unrest. I mean, I've never known anything like it in my life. No, and Torreira wanted to go in the summer, and there was no smoke without fire. That that came from somewhere. And yeah. why why exactly did Koscielny and Monreal so desperately want to leave last summer as well? They they couldn't wait to get out of the club. You know, there, there's something going on. You know, that uh, it's not good. It's really not good. So, and we need to get some answers. And it's not, we can't just allow ourselves with this British stiff upper lip to just not do anything and not get just get bobbed off. You know, they, they can't, they've got to understand. We, we want to know what's going on because everyone can see that the club is going down the toilet in front of our eyes. And we, we seriously, can you imagine if we do sell or we lose our, our Bamiyang and, and Lacazette as, where would we be without his goals because you see anyone scoring goals at the moment you know we would be in the bottom bottom five of the league without Bamiyang's goal easy I haven't worked it out but I, I G was asking me like what it was like supporting Arsenal when I was a lot younger and I said you know and there is a part of me that wishes that we could go back to the days of the only oh. thing that you've got about football was pre-match on a Friday at the back news of the paper, match of the day on a Saturday night, on a Sunday, and then that was it until next Friday. And then well, if you wanted any more, you'd have to get on Oracle or CFAX. Yeah, or the, uh, remember the phone line you used to yeah, there was one of these like, you know, you've got tools at your disposal where you can speak to Swiss Ramble and find out the whole financial structure now of how it right. works. And part of me is thinking, do I really want to know that? Is it, is it going to make me feel any better or is it going to make me feel worse? <laughs> well, the thing is, if you do know that, then you really know how badly our club is being run at the moment if it's going to be yeah. allowed to continue to the end of the season. Because if they're not making a decision, um, because either A, they can't bring themselves to do it, or B, we cut, we, the, the guy, uh, Stan Cronk, won't pay the guy off, so keep him till the summer... Or just to save a couple of million quid here and there. If they're doing it on, for the wrong reasons and we end up with serious financial difficulty and losing most of our good players, then they're going to have to be held accountable, aren't they, for not making that decision sooner. 
And just another point there, you mentioned Stan. I've decided I'm actually going to change my name because I'm getting fed up of getting going on <laughs> fed up of going on Twitter and just constantly seeing Stan's a wanker. So I, Stan. I don't know if it, I hope, hope you're not talking about me, so I want to change my name just to double check. <laughs> uh, it's not good, is it? Not good. Um, I mean, thankfully, I, I mean, this is it. I mean, I, I won't go on too much longer about this situation now because it's just depressing for everyone, doesn't it? And we've gone, we've done it to death. But going back to the summer, we were all really encouraged, weren't we? I think I can honestly, I can think I can speak for us all that we were really encouraged after Josh Cronk came out when well, he didn't have to say anything, but he did. He fronted up to the media twice. Um, they did us proud over the summer. It was one of the best transfer windows I think I can remember. Uh, for a long, long time. Really happy. Getting a lot of plays out as well. And that was what? Uh, August, I think, our final uh, transfer. I mean, we were going we to erect a golden statue, wasn't we, of Ralph Signale. Oh. <laughs> three months ago, that was. Three months. Look what's happened within three months. Yeah. It's just incredible the way things have turned. Now we want, now we want Raul's head on the spike. <laughs> I'm, I'm still, I have, like, I, like IG, I'm, I'm still really positive in lots of ways because of the squad we've got. I'm really happy with, this, with our squad. I think it's stronger than people realise. Yeah. And I, I am happy with the back, the, the way that our structure has been done behind the scenes with Raul. I'm giving the benefit of doubt strongly at the moment still because I, I do think that things must be happening behind the scenes but things can't continue on the pitch the way they are without any kind of action being taken because they they, they can't just feed us this rubbish to say we're happy with the way things are going on the pitch and our plan is is working basically because it's not you know Emery is failing at the job and he's really struggling in front of our eyes really struggling and we can't get um, because he's not even in a team. No, and I'm more than more than anything. I just desperately don't want to lose a lot of our squad. Like um, you know, the especially Guendouzi and Martinelli. Martinelli for me is the most important player we've got at, at the moment, long term. I think he's got such a high ceiling, and he's yeah. going to get there very quickly with the right um, the right guys behind him. He could literally be one of the best players in his position. In the world, the right coach who could continue yeah. to improve him. Wow, prospect. No one can tell me that. Uh, well, actually, IG, you know, in the week, Real Madrid had um, that Brazilian guy, the, new, the young 18 year old, what was his name? Uh, they, they scored a hat trick in the Champions League. Rodrigo. Oh, Rodrigo. 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 That's it. Can you imagine? Oh, God, you've got that feedback again. Can you imagine if um, Martinelli played for Real Madrid or Barcelona in the Europa League recently with the performances that he, he had over those two or three games? Can you imagine what's going to be said about him across the world at the moment? He'll be spoken about in the same sort of way as that Rodrigo and the way Vinicius was a year or so ago. He... There's no one can tell me that the vultures aren't circling around Martinelli already because of the way he's played at such a young age in uh, in the Europa League. So we've got to look after that kid because he's he's bloody special. 
And it's players like even Guendouzi that could be picked off if we don't make Champions League or the Europa League even next season. I saw an interesting tweet about Guendouzi. It was, uh, it just said, and I, I won't, <laughs> it just says, Guendouzi is fucking shit and you'll all learn. You will learn? Yeah, it said, Guendouzi is fucking shit and you'll all learn. So someone is seeing something about Guendouzi that a lot right. of people ain't. He's not getting coached properly. It's easy to see. You know, he's not the finished article by his long stretch, but you can see that he's got it. He's got it. Yeah. I think he's, he's getting overplayed. I think he's yeah. getting overplayed. There's a lot of games where I think I'd like to see him come yeah. or not start the game and watch the game from watch the game from the bench, you know? Exactly. He wasn't even he wouldn't want to or not say he wouldn't want to, but he wouldn't be expecting in a million years to be playing every week. No. And he's just been chucked in. He's played pretty much every game since uh, since last season, and he's not getting the guidance. He's doing wrong. He's doing the wrong things. He's running around thinking that he's got to put out all the fires himself across the pitch yeah. and do everything, and he hasn't. But he's not getting the support on the pitch next to him either, or the guidance on the pitch. So, yes, he's making a lot of mistakes, uh, but. That could easily be coached not to do that, and he's not got that support, unfortunately. So, but you can see, you can see within a million miles away that he's got, he's got it. He's going to be special, that kid, and he's got. He's got, got right he pulled up to the French squad because one of the players dropped out of injury. Yeah, he got called up last one. But Pogba, Pogba got, Pogba got withdrawn, didn't he? Now, this one as well, I think Matudi has come out injured and he's just gone in to take his place again. I mean, he, he, I doubt if he'll get a game, but it's all happening for him at a pretty young age, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it's all happening pretty quick. And I really do hope that um, he's able to keep his keep his feet on the ground. Yeah. Because there's been a couple of times when he's been, I've found him to be quite reckless on the pitch. Yeah. And I think a good manager would have taken him out of certain games and not said, any, said anything to him. But put him on the bench and let him realise that the reason I've just taken you off because you was a little bit reckless there and you could cost the team. Yeah. But I've seen the manager give him a lot of passes. I mean, there are certain games and you, you see you see the experience that's on the bench and he'll bring on Guendouzi or he'll leave Guendouzi on and take off another, which you would call a little bit more of a maturer, experienced player. And I don't know how much good leaving that young kid in certain situations is really doing for him. No. You, did you know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I th- I'm really worried about the development of the players. Like I said earlier, Saka came into the team on the back of, you know, a, a performance which was fantastic, wasn't it, in the uh, Europa League. And he burst into the first team. And that's, you know, give Emery credit for doing that. But since then, he's a pale shadow, that player that came into the team. Well, he's had him running around as a number 10 in some points. Oh, my God. And Willock, he's another one, the same as Sabios, who's getting slated now, saying he's not good enough. Oh. When he, his, his confidence must be wrecked, even though he scored that incredible goal against Liverpool, yeah. which was like uh, reminiscent of Vieira's goal against Newcastle all those years ago. He's got something. He, you can see he's got the special something as well. But to take a kid off, at half time, twice within a week. What's that going to do to his confidence? 
you know, you at least just keep him on for an extra 10, 15 minutes in the second half. Because there's nothing more embarrassing than being hooked at half-time. And he's, he would probably have been wrecked by that. And also, he's another one that's been played in, in, in the wrong position, in, across the pitch. And um, you've, got, you've got a lot of danger of, of ruining these kids at an early age. Yeah. And... Ferreira um, as well. I mean... Oh, mate. Honestly, <laughs> he's regretting his move to England. Yeah, yeah. And who could blame him? I mean, he's, he's not fucking Aaron Ramsey. I mean, what what person in the right mind would think, oh, yeah, it's forever. We're breaking into the new Aaron Ramsey. I mean, you only think back to the, that, you know, last year's derby, uh, Tottenham, which I was fortunate to get to, the 4-2. I mean, what a player he looked in that game. I mean, yeah. what a player Torreira looked in that game. I mean, you looked, him in, you looked at him in that game and you thought to yourself, wow, this guy's going to be a, a mainstay regular at the base of that midfield for quite some time to come. That's like, that's what I went away thinking. Well, and, um, it's, now it's a shadow of that. He's not, the, he's not the same player, is he? Let's face no. it. He's gone. You know, um, he was a player of the season. I mean, I think the, even actually the media, they were saying he's a signing of the summer when we got him. Yeah. And that's very rare for Arsenal to get any kind of praise for any anything whatsoever. You know, so even the main mainstream press were recognising how good he was. And again, and, I mean, he was a pick from the board. He was one that the board went out and scouted. I think maybe through Misselintat, maybe not him, but... Um, yeah, he was. You'd be a little bit disappointed at the way that you're providing this guy with these tools and this is how you're using them. I mean, in the other game where, um, you know, Pepe, he just had those two great free kicks to kick him on and they took him out of the squad. I couldn't believe that. Yeah, I know. I really could not believe that he's going to do that. You're, going to, you're, you're taking him out now. I think that now? takes the biscuit. I think that's really takes the biscuit. That's the worst. I think that's the worst thing he's done so far, which says which says an awful lot. Fuck you, know. But I mean, to make he wanted a um, a winger, as we all know, and they bought him Pepe, the, one of the hottest properties in Europe last summer. And now look at him. He, he was just about starting to find his feet, and then you take him out. I mean, there was those couple of games when Pepe first came, where he played him through the middle as well. You know, yeah. you can see that he wasn't really comfortable there either. I mean, yeah. if he's come to a new country, he doesn't speak the language. He's a young kid. He's probably not been away from his family much in his life. He's come to a new club. At least do him a favour and play him. Play him in the, the position where he's most comfortable to at least give him a chance. You know, just do what you've done. Just do what you was doing when he was in France. Do that here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, complicate the issue for the lad. I really felt for him. Well, Ozil will be fantastic for him as well. And he, he hasn't had a chance yet to play with Ozil or Lacazette on the pitch. Um, It just doesn't matter. I just don't know. Well, honestly, mate, we could just go on about this stupid yeah. buffoon all day, couldn't we? But... Like I said, it's just pointless. Just keep on going on and on and on about Emery, but it just keeps making it harder and harder not to because of the stupid things he's doing. You know, I have something, I have something quite positive because your next show is going to be on the twenty third. Is that right? A week today, yeah. And that's a one no, day. Twentieth, the twentieth. Oh, it's the twentieth. Okay, yeah. two weeks for my birthday, and a little bird has tweeted me and said that you've got a very special guest coming on. Oh, certainly have. Yes, they certainly have. Uh, the one and only Mr. Nigel Winterburn on next week. 
which I can't wait for. One of my old, you know, one of my heroes growing up. I mean, I've had, I've been thinking about this since I saw that uh, you mentioned that he was coming on, and I was thinking like, how the hell did you wrangle that? And I've got a couple of theories. One, you was backing out of the car park at Safeways. You backed <laughs> the car. Safeways, you, probably, you, yeah. You, you jumped out about to sort of like start effing and jeffing and then realised it was a legend. Was it something like that? And no, then, I, no. I'll take your insurance details if you come on the podcast. <laughs> he's, he's actually from just down the road uh, from where I live now. Okay. Um, it just, uh, he's from Dunedin in the Midlands. So, yeah, it's, it's random because he's only from... I don't know, less than, well, far less than 10 miles away from where I live now. That's where he's from originally. But yeah, his story is fantastic. I don't know whether you um, heard his interview on the Football Ramble recently, a couple of weeks ago. No. Uh, give it a listen. It's fantastic. Yeah, really, really interesting. And uh, the, how he got to become professional. He's, he's very similar in, in respect of uh, Ian Wright coming into the professional game quite late on, really. But... He didn't have the usual apprenticeship that you'd uh, sort of normally recognise with a player that's reached his level. So, yes, really interesting, really good stuff. So, and he talks about his time with the crazy gang and all that with the. Oh, know, yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. Wimbledon. So, yeah, it's worth a listen. But please, yeah, anyone that's watching now or listening later on podcast, make sure you don't miss that uh, episode next week because I can't wait for it. And. Uh, Without Nigel Winterburn, we wouldn't have done an awful lot of what you know great moments in our history. I mean, he put the ball onto Adam Smith's head in 1989 at Anfield, for example. So, got a lot to be thankful for of um, Mr. Winterburn. I went to his testimonial against the uh, Rangers. Did you? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I used to oh, think about going to testimonials when I lived back in the UK, and he was one player because for me, you know. For me, it was always about um, making sure that that player gets a nice little send off and you know a little uh, some extra little bit of extra ca- cash if they want to keep it or donate it to a charity or something like that. You know, that's it. I mean, that's what it used to be in, back in the day, didn't it? To when players didn't earn a fortune, yeah, it used to be uh, top up a pension fund for them. I mean, back in the day, you remember? Oh, of course you remember Michael Thomas, who scored yeah. the second at Anfield that night. He was earning 250 quid a week at the time. Wow. Can you believe that? Wow. It's just, it's literally, when you said earlier about um, missing the old days in lots of lots of ways, and uh, I mean, I, I started supporting Arsenal in 1980, so, you know, can't be that far off. Yeah. You know, your time as well. And uh, I do... Uh, Someone put out a beautiful picture yesterday on Twitter. Did you, I don't know if you saw it. A picture of Highbury. Um, it was just the most glorious photo I've seen for a long time of Highbury. And it just... It, it so many memories flooding back by seeing that photo. And what a stadium that was. And I, do, I really miss that stadium, I must admit. I, the, the times I've had there, the memories that have been built up there... And it's just the be- how beautiful it was. The old North Bank, but it was all terracing. And uh, it's just phenomenal. And, um, yeah, there were so many uh, ways that I missed those days. And uh, it, it was all open at the side as well, where I used to, I used to walk in. And used to let you in for nothing when uh, the the reserves were playing every week. You just go in there and, and sit in there. I think it was the East Stand, I don't know. Anyway, but 
and it was just great. It's such a lovely atmosphere. I used to meet the same people there every every week that you used to see on, on Saturday as well, and uh, meet them there, watch a reserve game for nothing. Yeah, it's, it's just a, a wonderful time, and it was very simple back then. And do you remember the uh, in the back of the newspaper, you used to get the club call in uh, the what. <laughs> The way you used to oh, get yeah. all that up-to-date information is ring this premium number in the back of the paper. And, uh, yeah, he used to think, oh, my God, I've got to quickly ring before Mum gets home after I got home from school just to find the latest news from Arsenal. And he used to keep me hanging on like a, a cliffhanger at the end of a soap opera every week, saying, oh, we're going to have some big transfer news dropping tomorrow or something. And you make your ring back again and again and again and every day. And your mum and dad get the phone bill and it's like 150 quid or something. Because you've been ringing club calls all the time. <laughs> There's a couple of questions in here. I just saw one from uh, Ryan, who's in the box here, uh, talking about Meza Ozil. And he's yeah. asking, do you think Meza's performances have made Emery look like a bigger fool than we know he is? And um, I actually thought that Meza Ozil had a really poor performance at Leicester. Did you? I, I yeah. thought he was one of our better performers, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. I had some stats on that. <sighs> I, I I totally under, I totally understand what you but a lot of the stats don't show what you can see with your eyes though a lot of the time as well. We we're just so more, much more fluid with him in the team. And I just it's just such a shame that we ain't got Pepe in the side as well. Because you know what really helps Mizzet as well? It's having two wide players either side of him to interact with. To well, check out check out this uh check out these stats and uh he says uh Two passes into the box. This is the Leicester game. Two passes into the box. Zero successful take-ons. Zero successful crosses. Zero chances created. Zero through balls. Zero fouls won. Zero shots. Yeah. That's, I mean, we had... I think it's not good, had, is it? Yeah, but we had two shots the whole match, didn't we? I mean, there is a malaise going through the whole team, but I mean... Yeah, you it, 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 can't blame it all on, on as early no, I'm not saying you are. I'm not saying you are. But, but the whole thing, I mean, against bloody uh, Victoria, one shot on target. And at that point, when we had that one shot on target, that was our first shot on target for one and a half games. So, I mean, what? Something's very, very badly wrong. They've, they've stopped playing for this manager. And I've seen, I don't know how true it is, I've seen on Twitter today. That it seems like Mr. Ozil's had enough, and he's he's gone to speak to the hierarchy to say we need a new manager. Uh, and, and clearly, I don't know whether that's true. But again, sometimes there's no smoke. Are, they, are the board going to listen to Meza Ozil? Because last January, if you remember, there were those stories where they said that they sat Meza Ozil down and said, you know, we think it would be best for everyone concerned if you could find a new home for yourself. Yeah, but he didn't do that. Ozil chose not to do that. So. I mean, it sounds to me that not just the manager, but the club don't want Meza Ozil. Meza Ozil wants to stay. Um, he did have a great game. You know, he did have a good game, um, uh, the one before Leicester. I didn't really see much of him in the Leicester game because my problem with Meza has always been consistency. But then I was so surprised that he brings Meza Ozil back into the team when everyone's crying out for creativity and then decides to leave Pepe out. I mean, you know... Right. And there's nothing that makes sense. Nothing that really does make sense. Makes sense. <laughs> it's just absolutely craziness. And um, I mean, I, in this case, like I've said earlier briefly, I, I don't think we can blame the players for the way things are going 
completely because yes, they can do better. But there's so much fundamentally wrong with the everything that is going on to the pitch. Different formation, week in, week out. Players are confused. They don't know what the fuck they're doing. And for me as well, Kieran Tierney being rotated oh. in the UEFA team and not playing in the Premier League, I just don't get that. And again, if you're the owners and you provided Emery you know, with the money to get that guy, surely you're not happy seeing how he's using... You know, the, what you spent your money on, you can't be happy with it, surely. surely. No. No, I mean, again, Ryan said here, um, Ozil used to thrive on that pace at Madrid. Then he came to uh, Arsenal. Everything changed in this side. Aside from Theo, we had no pace on the wing. This is what I mean. Pepe is a Good perfect foil for him. Pepe is perfect in the team alongside Ozil. And, it's, and probably either Saka or Martinelli to the other side of him as well. And he needs those two wide pacey wide players to interact with on the pitch. And that's where you get the best out of him. And that's the way Pepe would get the best out of himself with Ozil on the pitch as well. And to take him out of the side as soon as he starts showing promise, it just makes no sense whatsoever. And I don't know if he's doing this on purpose because he wanted Zaha. I don't I just don't know. I, I can't get my head around why he does these things. It just like makes no sense. He didn't want Torreira. He wanted right. Ponzi. So yeah. he needs Torreira or plays him as a striker. It was much. only just a couple of weeks ago that he then came out and said that he wanted the guy that went to Liverpool as well. Uh, oh, Fab- yeah. Fabianinho's, yeah. So, I mean, if you're Lucas Torreira, you've got to be sitting there thinking, well, this guy just does not fancy me whatsoever. He wanted, you know, the world and his brother before he wanted me. No, no. And Mike Josephson on the comments has put... Yeah, oh, right. did, did, did anyone have anything good in the second half? No, you're right. No, you didn't. And we're, we're creating that little that it's just getting literally embarrassing that we, we can only muster one shot on target against Victoria. And I think it was one or two, two, no more than two against Leicester. And it's just a joke because it weren't that long ago. I think it was only a couple of seasons ago we, we beat Leicester 5-2. You know, we yeah. shouldn't be going to, to Leicester as an inferior side and we're set up to to play against Leicester in exactly the same way that say Watford would set up to go and play Liverpool or I can't, I can't, believe, that, I can't believe that he, he sacked off the back four and went with that back three lineup out of nowhere probably only having a day to work on it with the squad I mean I don't get that he, I, don't he get played, that. I, knew, I knew we were going to play because he, he did that against Victoria away and um there's only one reason he gave it a trial run against Victoria and that's the play against Leicester and if only we knew at the time what he what he truly meant um, about being the chameleon team <laughs> uh, because we literally change in every single game he changes the squad around more time than I change my underwear I know <laughs> it's, it's, it's you know and I do change my undergarments quite frequently you know? I would hope so, yeah. I um, just want to have a big shout out to Mike as well. Um, Mike's the guy that does a lot of the camera work for the Gooners in Vancouver videos. And you've probably, oh, seen, him. You've probably seen him in a, on one or two as well, giving his opinion. So Mike's watching all the way from Vancouver as well. Nice one. Well, thank you, Mike. Thanks for joining us. And uh, yes, good to have you on board. It, it, I don't know what else we can say about Emery because... No, it's all been it, done. It, it's just like prodding a 
a prodding a big boil, you know, it just gets worse if you just keep squeezing it and prodding it, doesn't it? Do you believe any of the talk that was going around about Luis Enrique? Because it's the, the talk about it seemed very deep. And uh, there was a lot of information. It wasn't sort of a light piece saying that they've they've just given him a ring. There was lots of talk going into it. I don't I don't believe it. I I don't believe it myself. Well, he, he's bound to know Raul. Raul's bound to to know him because I think they crossed paths there, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, bound to know him. Yeah. From what I've I've heard and read, he is not denied it Luis Enrique but he said that he's not interested because he's too early for him to come back to football uh, yeah I mean I don't blame him obviously I I don't know how you'll ever get over something like what's happened to him you can't can you you just learn to live with it so if he never came back to football again other than maybe being a pundit or something you can't blame him to be perfectly honest and I wouldn't want the stress of being a manager if I was in this situation either but whether he would have been the right man, I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to say I know an awful lot about Luis Enrique. I, don't. I, don't. Uh, so I know that he likes to play good football. That's about as far as I know. I'd have to do a bit more looking into him, but it's not a goer anyway, from what Does I he know. Speak English? I don't know if you know if he speaks English. Has he got a part of it? Because I think that's going to be important for the next guy. Well, that's the issue with... Um, uh, my God, my brain's gone completely dead. Um... Allegri. Yes, thank you. Allegri. I don't think he speaks a word of English either. And that's got to be a problem. I don't know why. When there's so much option across the world, why would you go for someone in your country that doesn't speak your language? I don't get it. You know, there's no, it's not as if that, that person is the only one you can go for. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, for me, you need to look at people like Chris Wilder as well. You need to get rid of this snobbery about having to have a big name for a manager from abroad and just go for a good, good candidate. Like that when we went from George Graham from Millwall. And that's, that's a different generation, I know. But when you look at Chris Wilder, what he's done with that team and what he's done with his previous clubs as well in the, in the lower leagues. Do you, think that, do you think our fan base would accept an appointment like that? I don't give a monkeys. If he started winning football matches and playing the football that he's playing with Sheffield United with the better quality player and squad, I don't. Uh, it would take him no time at all to win the fans over. If we're winning football matches, the fans wouldn't care where he was from. So if he got some reaction to start off with, who cares? He's got a thick enough skin to deal with it and he wouldn't put up with any shit from these players. I mean, he, he had his, his goalkeeper out to dry in front of the media and they all respected him for it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it takes a certain man to do what he's done. Um, and it, it, he schooled El Unai Emery with a team of League One players. I've said that a hundred times and it's true. It's a, big shout, it's a big shout for Eddie Howe, but I don't I don't buy into that either. No, I don't, I don't rate, I, I like... I can't you say went Burnley, went to, you went to Burnley for a year and that, that seems too big. For, am I right? I might be wrong. I thought the job was a bit too big for him at Burnley. So he went back to Bournemouth. So I don't know what exactly went on at Burnley. He only went there for a season and went back, right? It was, well, by all it was a long time ago for a start. He might, he was very young at the time, but it was too big a job. Yeah, he looks about 12 years old now. <laughs> well, exactly. Exactly. So that tells you. I like the way he plays football. Yeah, I like, I, I, the way that he's kept the team in the in the division has been nothing short of phenomenal. 
However, there's a fundamental problem with his coaching somewhere. I can't say hand on my heart, I know exactly what it is, but they just crumble the second half of the season. As soon as they've hit that magical 40 points, they go off a cliff and they don't win a game for, for weeks or months. And you can look yourself, just look at the history. When they hit that, that, when they're safe, they hit that magical 40 points, they just plummet and they look like a relegation team the second half of the season. And there's something fundamentally wrong there. Um, it, it, it's more likely, because it happens all the time, they don't kick on and they don't finish in a massively high place now any, anymore. They just crash and burn. And um, that says to me that it's a mentality issue that once they're safe, they take the foot off the gas. And um, that worries me about him, to be perfectly honest. Tony Turner has a... Um... Uh, I went to school with a guy called Tony Turner. I don't think you're him, though. But he says, pay Rodgers the money and let's move on. Do you think then that... Um, it, how, how how does it work when you buy a manager out of their role? Do we have to give, like, six months' notice? Like, would we have to say... It no, no, you just got to come to an arrangement with the, with the... I mean, he left Celtic in February, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It's not a, that, that's a far worse time of year to leave than now. Um but I, it's just a case of coming to an re- agreement with Leicester. But Leicester, Leicester are, are probably one of the richest clubs in the league at the moment with money in the bank. So would you have paid Leicester the remainder of his contract? If he had three years left in his contract, Wait, they, you'd have to pay that to Leicester or what? You'd have to get permission from Leicester to speak to him for a start and they wouldn't give it, would they? And even if they did give it, they, they don't need any money because they just sold... Um, uh, you know, the centre-back to Man United for £85 and they didn't replace him. So that's just sitting in the bank for a start. And I don't know whether they sold um, someone else as well, I can't think. But anyway, they're they're a very cash-rich club. The owners are extremely wealthy. didn't they? Yes, that's what I mean, yeah. They've got £80-85 for him. So it's not as if they need the money and they've got very, very ambitious plans, those owners. And... um, they're just about finishing off a brand new training facility, which is completely state of the art. And that, that club is seriously going places. And uh, yeah, I'd say the only thing we've got to hold on to is Brendan Rodgers' ego. Is the only way he would come to Arsenal to be the one to make us make a success of, of being the one to take over from Arsene Wenger. I know he wouldn't be immediately. But do you think on paper we've got a better squad than Leicester? Yes, I, I, like I said to you. But if you go back, if you go back to last December, no one would have said that Arsenal players wouldn't get into the Leicester team because they were doing shit under Car- Carl's um, Puyol. Is it, um, what's his name again? I can't remember. Puyol. Puyol. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know what, what hell is going on with my brain tonight. But yeah, under him. They looked dog shit, didn't they? And um, they had the same players at the time. And I was going, I was last season. I, I was banging on and on and on about um, James Madison and um, a couple of their players, Ben Chilwell as well. And uh, and I, I, people were just like rubbishing me, the same as they would rubbish me now for saying that Chris Wilder would be a good option for us. <laughs> they wouldn't have it. But now, people can't get enough of uh, James Madison and uh, Tielemans, another one I was going on about, and Ben Chilwell. Because at the time, it was just Leicester. Now, we don't want to buy players from Leicester. You don't want to buy players from fucking Juventus or somewhere like that, because it's a possible privilege. But now, they're all the the, the flavour of the month. 
But back then, no one would have said that, oh, no Arsenal players would get in the Leicester squad. But now, in that short space of time, Leicester are the best team in the world and going to be challenging for the title. And no, none of our Arsenal players will get in their squad. Well, I'm not having it. If you had a decent manager in charge of Arsenal, we started winning games and winning games comfortably like we should be, two or three nil against teams that are below us in the league, then all of a sudden, our squad looks amazing again with yeah. no changes. It's not going to be uh, take a, a coach an awful lot to make this team an extremely good team. Yeah. Just, play, just play players in the right positions on the pitch. Tell them to go and express themselves and enjoy themselves again and do what comes natural to them. Get them set up nicely so that there's no gaps between the defence and midfield and the strikers. And lo and behold, we'll probably go and smash someone 4-0. In the same way Brendan Rodgers has put his arm around Jamie Vardy and brought him back up to goal scoring. And 100%. Giving him back that confidence. That's exactly... It's it's almost like it's the last piece of the jigsaw puzzle that we're missing as far as I'm concerned. It's a really yeah. good coach. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we definitely need a couple more players, but we're not a million miles off, mate, honestly. No, I don't think so. Uh, we could probably do with a left winger... A, a really good commanding um, defensive central midfielder. If we're being greedy, we could do with a backup right back and a backup left back. And obviously, a really good Cooley Barley type centre back. And um, that's that's pretty much all we need to be a very, very good team challenging. Probably another striker as well, I'd say. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Eddie. But not, and that's, that sounds an awful lot, but we got six players in last summer. You know, it, it, it can be done quite quickly. I'd say we, if we could do it over the January window and this coming summer window, if we had the right guy in place. But it's all down to the, having a good coaching. And that's, that's it. And that's what's so important that we don't hang about. Because if we got someone in now, he could have a few weeks with the, with the squad before um, the January window, give his recommendations, and he'd have a, a lot more time to get the team gelled before next summer, and we could really properly kick on next uh, next season, because this season is a write-off. Yes, we might have a go in the, in the Europa League, but that is literally all we've got to go for now. We're out of the top four running already. Like I said, we've got to win 18 um, games, around around 18 games, even though I think I've got the mass slightly wrong earlier. There has, to be a, there has to be a big collapse above us as well. A massive, <laughs> we, we need yeah. the dice to roll in our direction now, definitely. Yeah, it's not. I wouldn't say it's in our hands anymore at all. Well, it's obviously not because we're eight points off it. And um, to ask the rest of those teams, Chelsea might fall off a little bit because young players can be very in- inconsistent. I wouldn't say that uh, Leicester's team is particularly young anymore. It, yes, it, of course, they have got young players. But I think the average age of their team the other day was 24. So okay. they're experienced now. They're not like proper wet behind the ears. So I can't see them um, dropping off much at all, if anything, if, if at all, to be perfectly honest. We just need Liverpool to lose a fucking bastard game so they don't go through the season invincible. Yeah, that's a big fear. Bloody, you know, that would do my head in. Really would do my head in. Because that's the only thing we've got to grip hold of now at the moment. 
because you know what will happen well if they if they get invincible then it will be just weeks and weeks of comparing the two invincibles the manner of how they won it and who is the better invincible and blah 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 yeah exactly i'm just reading some of the comments he won one game uh mike is saying Ryan, agree under Emery, the season is a write-off now. To think after our next match, we could be 11 points off fourth. Do you know what? I said this earlier on Twitter to someone, and I can't remember who it was to tweet it to, but Southampton game, after the... It's, it's pretty much down as a given. And I'm, regardless of what the hell has been going on at Southampton recently, I still think that, that Hassan Hootel was a real coup for Southampton to get him because he's a very good quality coach. Now, where, that's where, where, where did they get him from? Um, I'm, I don't know. It was, it, it, was, it was in the Bundesliga. Oh, okay. Leipzig? Not Leipzig. It might have been Leipzig. He was one of the up-and-coming managers in the Bundesliga and uh, very highly thought of. And a lot of people, including a lot of really good... Uh, like Rafik, Rafa Honigstein, who's a, obviously the oh, yeah. expert, he was very surprised that Southampton were able to nab him because he thought he was destined for one of the top clubs around Europe. He's a good manager, and I think a lot of their problems are down to he he really wanted them to strengthen in the summer, and they, and they didn't, and they haven't done so for quite a while now, and they're really well known for their youth academy and selling prospects on and uh, keep on replenishing those prospects with new ones all the time. And that hasn't worked for the last two or three years. And their squad is really weak now. And um, he didn't get the strengthening that that they wanted. And I think that there's been a lot of disharmony behind the scenes at uh, Southampton. But I'm not sure they next at home, right? Sorry, say again. We have them next at home. Yes, yes we do. And it's at home. It's at uh, Southampton where they're weak. Away. I don't, I don't say they're, they're having a bad season. Are we playing at oh, Southampton? Or, or, no, no, no. We've got them at home. Oh, okay. Because I'm, I'm, interested, I'm interested to see if um, we've, I mean, here in Vancouver, myself, Mike, we go down the pub almost, well, we do, we go for every game. And if that's a 12 o'clock kickoff, early kickoff, that's like 4.30 in the morning for us, yeah? No, I think it's, it's Saturday, 3 o'clock. Yeah. So that's going to be around about 9 in, uh, 9 in the morning for us. And I've noticed on the TV that the last uh, few games or so, that the attendance seems to be falling. And I've been, you know heard from people on podcasts who've attended games, because we can't really see everything on television, who have said that um, you know attendance does seem to be down. Yeah, it so is. much so that Mike even said to me that if things don't change come that Southampton game, he don't even know if he's going to, you know, give his time to go down the pub so early in the morning and, to, you know, you know, he's got to move work around, for example. Those times in the day, especially when we go down the pub and it's lunchtime for us, you know, he does work from the, he takes his computer with him so he can watch the game, you know, so he can watch the game and do his job. But it's at the stage where people are, seem to be very apathetic towards the team. And I noticed that the last time we went down the pub, there was hardly anyone in there. There was maybe about seven people watching the game. It's it's a sad state of affairs, isn't it? But I think it's the only way that things are going to happen is the, the hashtag uh, empty the Emirates. It's the only, I, and we're talking about um, trying to hold people back from going in. 
Yeah, it, it's uh, uh, I back it hundred percent. It's a, it's to try and get people to uh, not go into the ground and take their seats for the first thirty minutes, and it's it's the only way that it's it's going to start getting the message through to the board that we can't just be taken from mugs. As I say that a lot of the stuff they're saying to us, putting out to us, and feeding us, they just think we're idiots. I was looking at Andrew on Ask Blog and he was kind of saying that he feels like he feels a little bit stupid, like you know, like he's had the wall pulled over his eyes. Like you know, like you know, like when you you get conned at the bar and you don't get the right change back, you know, you felt like how did I not see that? And I see where he's coming from. I do kind of I'm thinking to myself, like, have we just been like run up the garden path by these guys or what? Well, I, I was said that uh, I did a uh, sort of an in, impromptu show last weekend with Ryan. I don't know if Ryan's still uh, watching at the moment, but I said it on that pod as well that I, I didn't want to come across as sounding all prophetic and, and sort of you know woolly, but <laughs> the way I put it was that I would feel really let down <laughs> by Raul and Edu and um, Josh Cronkey if it turns out that they just fed us a load of bullshit in the summer as well because I bought it and I gave them I really did give them a chance and I thought really encouraged I felt really encouraged by the summer and the fact that Josh Cronkey seemed to be the one that would uh, really take Arsenal to his heart I know he's got other things to look after but he genuinely came across as not like a passionate fan clearly but he came across as someone that would actually care about results. Yeah, he kind of seemed excited and enthused by it all. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I don't know, I just, I bought it and uh, because of what, what they did in the summer and I thought that the business they did was fantastic. It really was a really good summer. And I thought, I'm, I'm going to give these guys a go and I, I, I'm going to put my trust in them. And if it turns out that they just leave this guy in charge now, who clearly can't do the bloody job, then I will feel really let down because we're going to end up in really bad trouble, not just financially, like I said earlier, but we're going to lose a lot of our squad. The vultures are going to circle around all our massively bright prospects already. You know, already we're going to be in risk of losing people like we've done for years. You know, go Fabregas, Nasri, Adibayor, Van Persie—you name it—we lose all our best players, and it's going to continue the same bloody cycle. Except for the fact that we're no longer going to be a top-four club; we're going to be a mid-table club, and all the players that we lose, we're not going to be able to replace them with equal-quality players. So we're always going to be taking that little tiny step down, player-wise and quality-wise, until one day. We're going to be a team full of mediocrity, yeah, mediocre players because it's a natural thing to happen. We can't afford the massive wages anymore, we can't afford the massive you know, fees anymore to buy the players, and we can't attract the same level of players because we've got no European football to offer them. Uh, and it'll, be, it'll be a circle we won't be able to get out of for a long, long time. See, I, I, know, I know it looks bad at the moment, but. I have to believe that the board are not going to sit on their hands. Well, they are, though. I don't know. Look, if you go back to the summer, there is a a target, and that target, it seems to me that the board know that the be-all and end-all is to get back in the Champions League. Now, they went big in the summer. 
all right, we might not have paid the 72 million out as a lump sum, but we've still committed to pay off that money every year. Yeah, so we exactly. have spent a lot of money. And, you know, they did that to make sure that we could get into the Champions League. And I, and I have to believe that if that is the be all and end all target. Yeah. They have to be talking to people behind the scenes. They have to be sounding people out and having a contingency because when the spotlight, the one thing I think I've learned about Ralph Signelli is that in the summer, when all of the, you know, We, we Cared You campaign started and he was, um, you know, cornered by people at the Q&A and all of that, he seems like when the spotlight's on him, he doesn't seem to like it. When the spotlight is on him, he will, he kind of reacts. And he's he's definitely put the spotlight on him by saying, you know, we're backing the manager, although we're not silly looking at results, we are going to back the manager. And I suppose they have to somehow make Emery feel at ease a little bit so he can do his job comfortably. But if the target is the be-all and end-all to get into the Champions League, surely they're going to pull the trigger, I would say, maybe come Christmas time if things don't improve. How are we going to get the Champions League uh, at Christmas time? Right in Europa League? Can you see us winning the Europa League? Under Emery? When things are only going to get worse and worse. I'm, I'm cleaning here, I know, but... I know, but it, it, I'm, to, I'm, I'm just being realistic. We are playing dog shit football and we can't beat the most basic of teams. Because it's, to me, they have to, because it's almost like... We do know, have to, and he ain't know, doing nothing. It's like you turn 18, it's like your dad buying you a, a brand new car, but refusing to give you any driving lessons. Exactly. Do, do you know what I mean? It just doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. And we, I've given you the maths already, that yeah. we've got to win 18 out of 26 games. 18 out of 26, which gives us a leeway of eight games, which we... And all the rest we have to win. And there's no chance at her on earth that we're going to do that. We are out of the top four race already, and it's only November. You've got to be realistic. Do you think there's any chance then? I know the board have said that they're backing him, but what do you think? Do you think there is any chance that the board are going to change him during this interlow that we no, have? I, I really no. hope so. But once now they've given him the dreaded vote of confidence, you're going to be looking at probably within the next month. So that's Christmas, isn't it? Yeah. If you look at it on average, when they, when a manager gets the dreaded vote of confidence, that gives them two, three, four games. So, the, uh, uh, you know, the inter- I think our next game is obviously, um, is it, it's a week Saturday. Yeah, 20. Yeah, it's a week on Saturday, the next match, the 23rd against Southampton. So, when you've taken that into account, and then the next match after that, you, you, you're virtually pushing December already. We've got a lot of matches coming up. I know, and uh, I've absolutely fucking dreaded it, I'll tell you. So we play on the 23rd of November, the 28th of November, and the 1st of uh, December. Yeah. So it's um, Southampton, and then... There's such a big fixture list coming up. Between the next game, right up until... Norwich, isn't it? Southampton, Norwich and Brighton, I think, next three league games. But even after that, the games, there's not lots of gaps between the games, you know? What was it? What I was, what I, I didn't finish off before, and I'm going, to to, I'm going to have to start finishing up soon because we've been going nearly two hours. But um, 
I was talking about the Southampton game and Ralph Hasselhoodle. It's not going to be an easy game, mate. I really, really don't think... They're going to be scrapping for their lives. He's going to be scrapping for his life as a manager. The players are going to be scrapping for their lives as well. And they're going to want to put in a really good account of themselves after the recent results they've had. And they put in a good performance against City, didn't they? After that 9-0 loss. Two games against City, they put up a really strong performance against them. They lost their last game pretty disappointingly. So they're, considering the fact they've just had this interlope, they're going to, Ralph Hasselhutl is going to have been literally coaching them to within an inch of their lives to win this this first game back after the interlope. You know they will. <laughs> and you know for a fact that their strikers are going to be like prime Ronaldinho and prime Ronaldo against us. And I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised at all. We'll be doing really well to get three points. I wouldn't be surprised if we get one or even none. And I'll say that now because they're going to be better prepared than we are under Emery. My match prediction is is, is going to be almost the same prediction I've had for every single league game this season. And that is... 3-1. We will be lucky. <laughs> we'll be lucky to nick a draw. Yeah, we will. I'm looking at it at the moment. We will. And... Uh, do you know? And then this, these are almost the worst games we could have had because Norwich are at the bottom of the league. So we've got the second bottom and the bottom. I think both of them. If I'm right. And <laughs> what do you think? Norwich are going to roll over and let us tickle their tummies as well. No. Honestly, I don't know where our next win's going to come from under this guy because he doesn't put any any emphasis on our strengths and playing to our strengths. He puts all the emphasis on stopping the opposition. And, and all those teams that are, that are f- sort of fighting a little bit below us, those that are trying to stay up, this is probably all of them. If you said to them, you know, when is the best time for you to be playing Arsenal? They're all going to say, well, right now. Yeah, I know. And, they, they, they can see what's happening, right? You know, and they know that they can, they can nick at least a point. They can grab a point against us at least. You know what Southampton, uh, sorry, not Southampton, the Sheffield Wednesday fans said after our match against them, they said that pretty much every match they had in the championship was harder than the one they played against Arsenal. That is fucking damning, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Tony, Tony Turner, you, I think you must have, I think you came to join us quite late, but you've put 20 or so games, there's still plenty of matches to catch Chelsea. It ain't, mate, because we you do the maths. 71 points is what you need to reach generally. You'd be very lucky if it's under 71 points. That's what you need to reach to get to top four. And that is 18 wins from where we stand now will take us to 20... Uh, sorry, 71 points, Tony. And we've only got 26 games left. So we've got to win 18 out of 26 games to get the top four. That's just to finish fourth on based on averages. So it ain't plenty of games, Tony. It ain't at all. So uh, if you think we're going to win 18 games out of 26, then I'll get yourself down to bookies, mate, because uh, you'll win a lot of money betting on that, I tell you. Do you want to finish off on anything, Stan, before we uh, wrap up for the night? Oh, I think we actually covered quite a lot uh, this, this this afternoon or this evening where you are. I think it. 
I found it fantastic as well to get a lot of it out. <laughs> Next one we do, we'll ban all talk of Emery. Uh, well, let's just not talk about Arsenal for the next one. That'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? Let's just talk yeah. about anything but Arsenal. Extenders, Ian uh, White in the jungle. Whatever. Whatever, no. In when fact, does that jungle thing, when does that start, Ian White in the jungle? Oh, fuck knows, mate. I ain't watched it for a few years. Okay. I, ain't wa- I ain't watched telly, mate, since December 2017. Apart from football. Okay. That's a story for another time. I'll t- okay. give you more reasons. That happened why. in December, did it? <laughs> Okay. It's I, I keep retelling. No, no, no. <laughs> no, but anyway, next Wednesday, I'll just remind all of the, everyone listening, everyone listening afterwards on the podcast. Uh, next Wednesday is when we got Nigel Winterburn um, amongst some other great guests. Um, so please don't miss next week, next Wednesdays. It's going to be a great show. We will be obviously discussing Nigel's career with him in great depth. I mean, there's loads of great, so many great things we can talk about with him. And um, so that will be a bit of light relief or a lot of light relief from everything that's going on at the moment. You're not asking about his perspective on the old Paolo Di Oh yeah, Paolo Di Canio, definitely. I thought you were going to say about Unai Emery. No, no, no. I'm I'm going to stay well clear of the current situation. The Paolo Di Canio one, absolutely amazing. I can't wait to discuss that with him, yeah. Uh, it's yeah, going to be I so good. Sometimes, when it pops up sometimes, I see it. I, I do yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, I mean, he's been involved in some brawls with uh, Man United. You know, 21-man brawl on the pitch as well, and uh, all sorts of stuff. I can't but, wait. But what a solid player he was for us at oh, mate. Solid. solid. So underrated. And... Absolutely criminal that he only got a couple of caps for England. I mean, yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, I mean, Stuart Pearce, obviously a legend and great for England, but on so many occasions he was picked on name and reputation rather than form. There were so many around at that time as well. You had uh, Dennis Irwin around yeah. at the time. Uh, well, he, he plays for Ireland, of course. Yeah, but I'm just saying in general at that time, <laughs> a lot of uh, a lot of left backs. Like a lot of good yeah. fullbacks generally in the in the league around that well, time. Do you know who uh, mainly got a lot? Uh, the games that Winterburn should have was Tony Dorigo, right? And that's a that's a fucking crime. You know, Tony Dorigo was, uh, was a decent fullback, but not in Winterburn's class. So yeah, he should have got a lot more uh, caps than he did. And like I said, Stuart Pearce was uh, a very very good player, and everyone remembers him for the good times. But he was picked. Uh, ahead of Winterburn incorrectly a lot because Winterburn was in much in better form than him but he was picked because of his name and reputation ahead of Winterburn which is a real shame but yeah we've got an awful lot of good positive stuff to talk about I mean 13 years with Arsenal he's won so many trophies with Arsenal he's seen some incredible players Arsenal and, and the massive changes as well from the George Graham time through to the early days and the real sort of blossoming days of Arsene, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. So, please make sure that you don't miss out. If you haven't done so already, when you're listening to this, uh, if you're watching, please subscribe and hit the notification so you don't miss that show coming up. And obviously, it's going to be live. So, you've got the opportunity of asking questions on the night as well. So, it's not going to be very often, I'm sure, that you're going to get the opportunity of asking to, uh, Nigel Winterburn questions 
Um, and we'll answer as many as we can on the day. And we'll keep it all positive, hopefully, <laughs> away from the current doom and gloom. So thanks ever so much, Stan, for uh, for joining me. I hope um, you'll join Thank us again really soon. I really, I really like it when you're on and uh, you talk a lot of sense, mate. And uh, how can people follow you and watch your videos as well? With the sure. Um, I'm on Twitter, Stan the Man uh, 68, I think it is. You'll see that you'll see my avatar with the Arsenal shirt on and the Spider Man mask. But my... how, how did you do that? I asked you that once. You never answered. Oh, how did I get that? Yeah. There's a, guy on, there's a guy that was on Twitter that uploaded it just as a picture. Ah, right. And I saw it and I thought, I'm having that as my place. Yeah, I don't blame you. It's awesome. I think it's the best avatar on oh, Twitter. Geez. And also we do the uh, post-match reaction videos, which you can find on Sunny TV Unfiltered's YouTube channel. And if you go there, you'll find our, our post-match reactions, myself, Mike, and a lot of the Gooners in Vancouver. And there's also um, a Facebook page, which I've just recently created for Sunny TV Unfiltered, which is now up. So if you are on Facebook and you want somewhere to go to catch up on Arsenal gossip and news, and you want to start a debate on there, it's a place for you to go, have your say, read news. If you find any other news, please put it on the page as well so that we can all see what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. And whilst you're there, like the uh, From Dial Square to Wear page as well. Thank you. Anyway, regarding Sunny TV Unfiltered, get back on there as soon as you can, Sunny. We're all uh, supporting you. Um, you're a good bloke, and we hope that you get back on there and podcasting as soon as possible because everyone misses you on there. So, all the best, mate. And yeah, give Sunny a bit of support on there and get him back as soon as possible. Yeah. So, thank you again, then, Stan. All the best, mate. And. We'll get you back on board as soon as possible. We'll speak to you afterwards. Cheers. Good night, everyone. Take care, mate. Bye-bye. Thanks very much for listening. We really do appreciate each and every one of you. We really need your help to spread the word about From Dial Square to Wear. So if you haven't done so already, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe to the From Dial Square to Wear YouTube channel and hit the notification button so you never miss a live show. And finally, please tune in to the live shows. Don't forget, you can get the chance every week to be the star alongside Andrew and his great guests just for being the most entertaining viewer on the night. Thanks again and see you on the next episode. Bye!